Hey Creekers, today I'm really excited about introducing you to one of my great friends. He's also a great friend to our church. We've been a partner of his and his organization for many years now. New Missions Organization, led by Tim Tetelis, is a ministry that's reaching over 10,000 children, that's built over 35 different churches in Haiti. Matter of fact, we have partnered with them on two of those church constructions. They've also built clinics and schools, and without a doubt, they are saving a generation of Haitians. Very few times in life do we get the opportunity to meet folks who are spending their life's energy uh, to make a difference in the life of other people. And when I think of Tim Tetelis, that's the person I think of. This is a guy who lives his life to love his neighbor and to make a difference in their life. So what I would love for you to do, I would love for you to put your hands together and give a great Creek Church welcome to Tim Tetelis. Wow, man, I've been looking forward to being with you all here at the Creek. Good morning. Y'all doing well? Man, it's a Sunday after Thanksgiving, so I know you're all feeling really good. <laughs> feeling real good. I'm Italian, and my love language is food, so I'm the happiest right now. I've been eating a lot. I got to tell you, today's message on how to love your neighbor uh, is so, so timely. As you've seen in our country, there's been a lot of natural disasters that have come closer to home these days. And I have friends that have been in the middle of those unfortunate circumstances, up in the panhandle of Florida, and when Harvey hit Houston, and when storms come close to your home, you find out immediately that the first responders are your neighbors. I know what you're thinking too, well, have you met my neighbors? <laughs> Some of my neighbors are kind of scary. And so this morning, I want us to unpack this message uh, Jesus really shared with us on loving our neighbors. And this is a little bit different than the teaching style of your pastor, Trevor Barton, whom I have tremendous respect for. A little bit nervous this morning preaching at his church because he's such an awesome communicator. And this is really kind of like story time with Tim, okay? So I'll relax. It's going to be good. Take some notes, but it's going to be pretty chill. But I want to turn to the book of Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, if you brought your Bible, you can turn there. If you brought your smartphone, you can swipe, scroll, or you can just Google it. Mark 12, we're going to read verses 30 and 31. And I'd like you to join me in reading together. I'll put the scripture on the screen. Let's read this together aloud. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment in verse 31. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you for your scripture that is speaking to us today. God, may we not just know it, but may we obey it and live it for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now I'm going to make a statement this morning, and you may disagree with me, but just hold on for a moment. And that statement is, loving God isn't enough. Loving God isn't enough. When Jesus was asked, okay, you wise teacher, you tell me, what is the most important law of all? And Jesus responds by sharing with us, you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. But Jesus didn't stop there. He stepped, really, I think, a really a big step further into how we would live that. How would others see that we love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength? 
And I'll pause for a moment. Here at your church, you all have a vision statement, which is to love God and love people and make disciples. Making disciples is us really loving one another as believers and growing in our faith. Loving people is really the proof that we love God. Because we can love God, but that isn't enough. Jesus didn't stop there. He said, then the second is like it, that you should love your neighbor as yourself. So this morning, uh, I want to share with you some stories of a journey my wife and I have been on in loving our neighbors. But a little background on me briefly is that I grew up in church. And this is actually a photograph of the church I grew up in where my father pastored. He was a pastor for 25 years, which means I've got issues, okay? (laughs) Now, maybe you did not grow up in church. I grew up in church, so I learned and knew at a young age that Jesus loves me, this I know, for the what? Or the Sunday school teacher smacked me on the side of the head and told me so, or the youth worker told me so. And this is kind of a very churchy thing, is like to know Jesus loved me, this I know, for the Bible told me so. And I knew it, but I started believing it when I saw people living it. And there's a big difference. You can know a lot, you can hear a lot, and you can even say, yeah, that's truth. But when you believe it, it's because you felt something in someone else that was real. They were living it. So lately I've been asking the question, so why? Why does Jesus love you and why does Jesus love me? Just like your vision here is to love God and love people. In 1 John 4, 19, it says we love because, why? Why does Jesus love you? Why does Jesus love me? We love because he first loved us. So this is a I grew up in old school games, you know, back when kids played with outdoors and not digital devices. Any of you, like, you know what I'm talking about? Where, like, back in the day, like, your mom would say, come home when it gets dark. You know, I was the kid that rode their bike to school, you know, had the key on the shoelace around the neck, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, this is like old school where we actually played a game called Tag. Tag, it was cool. I think they've outlawed dodgeball. It's so dangerous now in school, right? They don't want kids to get hurt. But this is really the game of tag. Jesus says, tag, you're it, I love you. But that isn't enough. That isn't enough. Go share his love with others. So I have a question, so where do you live today? I want you to just pause for a moment. I know this is holiday week and I want you to reflect for a moment the address in which you call home, the street in which you live on, the city or the state, but just think for a moment where you live for a moment. You see, I was um, living outside of Orlando, Florida in Altamont Springs. And this is just north of the city. And my wife and I were living in her childhood home. And in back of the home, my father-in-law had built this pool. It was, a, it was one of those Hollywood movie-looking kind of pools. Like, you know, like the ones you'd see the movie stars hang out in. It was awesome. Friends, it had a diving board. Okay, the deep end was 11 feet deep. I mean, it was that awesome. I mean, you can't make a diving board swimming pool anymore. That's like, you know, that's harmful. People could get hurt. We don't want the diving board. It was totally awesome, Okay. So I would like travel the country and I'd be preaching at churches and I'd come home and then I would just retreat to the backyard and recharge and refresh. And it was like my little haven. And I I knew I had neighbors on both sides. I may have known their first names, but I didn't know much about their lives. 
And so this morning I come to the creek and I'm going to be very bold with you. I confess I did not love my neighbors. But I'm guilty. Guilty as charged. I would travel the country and I would preach a message that your mission field is right where you are. Your mission field is right where you are. Now, I know that's a very churchy term, mission field, and I grew up as a pastor's kid, and then we moved to Haiti to be missionaries, so I lived under that umbrella of living on the mission field, which is really, where is the place that God is using you to love others? Where is that place? Where is that address? Where is your home? Where is the address in which God has you where you can go, as they would say, live on mission, which is living out the mission in which God has called us to, which is to love God and love people. And so that's your mission field, right where you are. But I wasn't living it. So here's a little backstory. Uh, We're living in Altamont Springs, Florida. Unfortunately, my father-in-law passes away. And so my wife decides to take her mom on a mother-daughter trip. So they decided to drive up to Savannah, Georgia from Orlando just to get away mom and, mom and daughter. I was flying back to the United States from the Dominican Republic. We just dedicated the new church there. And so I land in Miami and I pick up the phone to call my wife to check in on how the trip's going. You know, I wanted to see how mom and daughter are doing. Now, frame of reference, I'm a musician. My background is music, play the keyboards. And so as a musician, my emotions fluctuate each day based on the pizza topping last night, okay? You, you get, catch my, I'm not talking about anybody up here. I'm just saying for me, my emotions will fluctuate, okay? My wife, on the other hand, she's extremely even keel. Okay, she's a nurse by trade, has her MBA. I mean, her emotions never fluctuate. She's consistent day in and day out. Get on the phone. Hey, beautiful. Her name's Cheryl, but I call her beautiful. Good advice, gentlemen. Beautiful wanted to check in. How are you and your mom doing? And my wife is crying on the phone. I'm like, I'm freaking out thinking, what happened? You know what I'm saying? Like, she's crying on the phone and she can barely get these words through to me. I don't know why, but I feel like we should move closer to my mom. Can can I talk to the gentleman in the room for a minute? Gentlemen, I know everybody loves Raymond, but let me just say I'm not Raymond and I wasn't all into the idea of moving closer to my mother-in-law at the time. And so this is the only thing I could do to console my wife, men. Beautiful, maybe we can find a house to rent and try it out for a year. Okay, that was all I could offer her was let's go rent a place and try it out. I wasn't going to sell out to move in closer to my mother-in-law. Well, needless to say, I was traveling a few weekends later. My wife was at a wedding with her sister-in-law. And while she was there, her sister-in-law said, hey, there's a home for sale in our neighborhood. It's actually going to fall into foreclosure and then go into auction. It'd really be a, a crazy deal. You should come check it out. So when I was back home following weekend, we went over and we toured this home, walked in and immediately knew we needed to live there. We won the bid for the auction and we moved into this home five miles from my mother-in-law. Okay. By the way, it's gone well. She's a great cook. It's been going great, by the way. Real good. Real good. So when we were beginning to move to this home, I felt convicted. Now, conviction is an interesting term, but really, to me, it's realigning myself with Scripture, okay? You have to have conviction based on something, you know, where does truth come from? So if it's this conviction that I'm supposed to love 
my neighbor as myself, which I wasn't doing. I was feeling convicted. Like, I needed to do that. I can know it, but dear Lord, may I obey it and live it. So we're about to move into this new neighborhood. I'm like, babes, I really feel like we need to get to know our neighbors. So we wanted to live out your mission field is right where you are. So I'll never forget, this was one of the first moments I got to meet a bunch of the neighbors all together. It was at the annual HOA board meeting. And at the annual HOA board meeting, there they were, all gathered around, and down front, there were the board of directors sitting at a table, and the neighbors around, around round tables. And this is the annual meeting, it gets hostile, so they had the sheriff there. <laughs> to protect the homeowners from the board members. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, it was like serious. You know, if any of you live in a homeowners association, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, Jesus, please come. We need peace, joy, love. We need all that. So literally, I'll never forget a lady in the back of the room. She's shouting to the board members down front. This older lady stands in the back. She goes, the fence at the entrance is a mess. When are you going to paint the fence? She's yelling. And I'm like, this is intense. This is like hostile. She's yelling, the fence at the entrance is a mess. When are you going to paint the fence? And she's yelling at the board members. She's yelling at them. I'm like, we moved here in this neighborhood? And then she said something brilliant. If you don't paint the fence, we'll paint it ourselves. I'm like, that's a smart lady. So I began thinking, you know, I've been collecting some cell phone numbers of my neighbors. I'm going to invite Zach back out on stage. Zach, if you're, if you're out back, come on out here to the table for a moment. So I started going out for walks in the morning or in the afternoon, and I would meet neighbors. And, and this is what would happen. I would walk up to somebody, get in their mail, and did you see what just happened here? We spent two hours practicing this before <laughs> service. This is an amazing exchange of human behavior. And then I would say this. Hi, my name's Tim. Hi, my name's Zach. Hi, Zach. Great to meet you. And I would make this one offer. Zach, I live right around the corner. Would it be all right if I text you my phone number? If you ever need anything, let me know. That was it. And I've never had a neighbor decline. Thanks, Zach. We all put your hands together for Zach. Love the worship here and the team. And so in my phone, in these smartphones we have now, I created a contact that I only share with my neighbors. It says Tim and Cheryl Detellis, 35454 Pine Gate Trail, my cell phone number. And then in the smartphone, you can create a title for your contact. I created a title. You know what my title is for my neighbors? Neighbor. <laughs> Pretty profound, right? So I'll share my contact with my neighbor. So when the lady shouted, if you don't paint the fence, we'll paint it ourselves. So I'm like, awesome, I'm gonna text some neighbors. So I started texting some neighbors, hey, let's meet up down at the entrance and let's paint the fence. So on a Saturday morning, we, we went down there and we, I got this photograph, this is crazy. We went down there on a Saturday and we were painting the fence together. The problem with that was there were neighbors that didn't like one another. And they showed up, they're like, Richard's here? I mean, he's a real jerk, you know? I mean, it's like, they were mad. They were like, Rrr. But an hour or so into it, after they're sweating and paint's rubbing off on one another, they started liking one another. And what we discovered was that good neighbors make great neighborhoods. Good neighbors make great neighborhoods. And I'm telling you, it's not that complicated. 
It's not that complicated. For us to live out loving our neighbors is not that complicated. We actually get to know our neighbors by inviting them to things all the time. Uh, I wrote a book that I'm going to give each of you before you go home today. And one of the things we love to do is just let people know, hey, we're going to go out to eat somewhere. You're invited. Like actually on 4th of July, uh, we had this thing. We live in Orlando, so it gets really hot. So I'm like, we're going to keep it cool. We're going to stay inside. We're going to Five Guys at noon. And like 24 neighbors will show up at Five Guys and we'll just hang out, grab burgers and drinks and enjoy ourselves together. It's just gathering together. We went out for dinner one night and then went bowling. I stink at bowling, okay? But the neighbors loved it. And so I get this photo. This is cool. We, we're in bowling. My wife's arms are in the back. Like, woohoo. And, um, but you get to know one another because you're listening, you know? We live in such a fast-paced culture. But just inviting people to things, it's like, hey, we're going to go hang out and go bowling on Friday night. You'll be shocked. What I've discovered, no matter where you live, no matter what economic class you're established in, everyone gets lonely. And everyone gets hungry. At some point, you got to eat, you know? And so inviting them to things to get together begins that community development where it's like, well, hey, man, we are neighbors. Let's get to know one another. And then what we, just, we began to experience was that life is better together. Life is better together. See, God did not design it for us to do life alone. Because when we're alone and we're isolated, we begin to believe the doubts and the lies and just those confusing voices in our minds. But when we're together, there's encouragement. And when you have encouragement, you have courage and you have strength for the journey. So we need one another. We need to be plugged into small groups and be connected through the creek because that's where we have strength for the journey. But we can do that in our neighborhood. So now in our neighborhood, 25% of the homes are involved with small group Bible studies in the community. Uh, ladies, by the way, you all kicked it off. It was the ladies that first decided to come together. You got, you're all way better socially than the men. <laughs> And then we have a, a Bible study for some couples and then some guys get together now. And it's been an amazing transformation over the last several years. And we're still stepping into this journey each day. Actually, I fly home tomorrow and Tuesday night in our neighborhood is guys night out. And so some may say, man, it's, I'm, I'm too busy to hang out with my neighbors. I ain't got time for that. I'm telling you, I make it a priority because I'm discovering that life is better together. We, we're experiencing that with our community. I love what it says in John chapter 13. Let me read this to you. Verse 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you have love for one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples. That is the metric. If you say, I'm going to love God and I'm going to love people and we're going to make disciples, what is the metric that, hey, we are a disciple? It's when you have love for one another. That's how people see. I like to say it this way. My neighbors, they don't care how much Bible I know. They care how much I love them so. And they may hear what I say, but they believe what I do. And so now, as I said, I grew up in the mission field and, and, you know, there used to be those signs like you are now entering the mission field when you would leave a church campus and go out into the world. Like, that's your mission field. Now, when I drive into my neighborhood, to me, that's my mission field. That is the place I want to make a difference. I live there. And for the record, they know where you are right now. And you get to go bring love back to them because what I've discovered traveling the country 
is that right now in our culture more than ever, there is a war on love. Because the devil hates love. Because God is love. I mean, the scriptures teach us that to not know God is to not know love. And so, of course, they're going to be confused about it. Of course, there's going to be a war on love because they don't know what love is. But when you love God and you are tapping into the source of it, because that's why we tend to not love others, is we need to be filled up first. God, fill me up with your love. May I love you with all my heart, my soul, my strength, my mind. Then I can go share your love with others. Dr. Martin Luther King said it best, that darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. And hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. When we had the men's Bible study launch in our neighborhood, I sent out a text to a bunch of the guys, invited them to come. And the first guy that responded to me, his name was George, and he says, in the text response to me, I'll do whatever it takes to grow closer to God and my friends. And his text response to me meant so much to me. I wrote it on a post-it note and I put it in my prayer closet. Because, you know, we all got prayer closets and post-it notes after the movie The War Room. You know what I'm talking about? What happened with George was he was our neighbor to the left of us. And he and his wife, Marlene, invited us out to dinner one night. And so they said, we'll drive. So we go over there. We get in their car. And we're leaving for dinner, and Marlene turns and turns to my wife and asks a question. Are you a Christian? My wife says, yes, we are. And then Marlene smacks her husband, George, and says, George, I told you they were Christians. They couldn't be that nice and not be Christians. <laughs> and then she said, we're Christians, too. <laughs> we get to dinner, and let's just say that George's language and behavior was far from anything Christian, okay? Next morning, Marlene calls my wife, apologizing. I'm really sorry for George's behavior. We're still praying for George, you know. A few weeks later, I have a, a fire pit out back, and I like to burn stuff. As a matter of fact, my wife loves me so much. Last summer, when Target was selling all the lighter fluid on clearance after summer, she went to Target, and she bought 28 bottles of lighter fluid. I get a witness. Amen. So she... She's at the checkout. The guy's looking at her. Ma'am, what is your intent with all that lighter fluid? And she's like, my husband likes to burn stuff. I'm like, Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm like tracked by all kinds of people now. So George and I are out back. We're at the campfire. We're burning one night and some other neighbors are there and we're walking back to the driveway and he elbows me. He's like, hey, 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 my, my language is better, wasn't it? <laughs> well, eventually George prayed to make Jesus Lord of his life in my backyard. So when he came to men's Bible study, I saw a different person. But let me tell you something. I did not change George's life. All I did was love him and feed him a little bit. See, we're not the ones to change the lives of others. We're the ones to love them. God will change their lives. That's the work of God and the Holy Spirit in them and through them. We don't have to make them feel any different than they feel. Let God do all that work. We just get to love them. I'm not asking you to go back home and take your Bible and lead your neighbors through a study in Leviticus. I mean, I'm, I'm asking you to just go back home, put on your work gloves, and show them how much you love them. My neighbors know that I can't fix anything, okay? I really can't. But I can put on some work gloves and I can show up. And I can text some other neighbors and say, hey, would you join me over at 
Mike's house and we're going to go to LeDwayne's house. Hey, we're going to help with a project. And we just show up and be good neighbors because good neighbors make great neighborhoods. And then they're like, hey, so what is it about you? And then all of a sudden we're sharing life together. They're coming alongside you and they're sitting next to you at the creek and they're going, you're not that weird after all. As a matter of fact, you're just like me. But I like the love that you have from God. I had one neighbor say, man, that's the real deal. I've been looking for that. Because who is near you? Who can you influence? Where is your address? What is your home address? I don't live there. My hope and prayer today is when we go from this place that may where you live be better because of you. In Acts chapter eight, verse four, it says, those who had been scattered, they preached the word wherever they went. And in just a moment, we're gonna be scattered from here. But when that scripture was written, it was written in a time when the local church was being persecuted and they had to be scattered for their own safety. There aren't people at the doors with guns ready to take us out because we believe what we believe. But there is a war on love because the devil hates love because God is love. I mean, I, I, I like to bring the band back out and break out into that song. That's the power of love. I mean, you know, because love does change everything. And when you know the source of it is God. And so when we're scattered here today, would you go love your neighbors? Would you say, hey, my name's Tim. I live right around the corner. Just introduce yourself. Shake the hand and say, hey, let me text you my number if you ever need anything. Just start building bridges. Start building relationships. Start building trust. Because may where you live be better because of you. I'll leave you with this. The creek's a special place. I travel the country. I'm in a lot of different churches. I'll literally be in 70 different churches this year. This is a very special place. This is a place I would want to invite people to. It's kind of like when your house is really messy, you don't want people to come over yet until you cleaned up. But this is the kind of house you want to invite people in. You want to bring them in the living room and say, hey, come hang out with us here at the creek. There's good things happening because Jesus loves you just the way you are. Come on in. He'll, he'll clean up the mess, whatever mess there is. That's God's business. You don't have to have the stress of that. I've got neighbors right now, I was telling your pastor Trevor on a phone call recently, I've been intentionally working harder to make non-Christian friends in my neighborhood to the point that now we're doing stuff with neighbors that are non-believers. And at the end of the night, they're like, you know, Tim, thanks for being my friend. Like you, you listened to my life and my gunk and everything going on and you didn't judge me, but you, you just hung out with me. And now they're saying, hey, when you do another burn out back, can you, can you invite me to the campfire? I'm like, absolutely. They're not going to come to Bible study just yet, but that's okay. I want to be the influencer in the room and just be the friend and love them. Because Jesus said, love your neighbor. And I confess, friends, I was the one that didn't love my neighbors. Now I can't imagine life without them. So may where you live be better because of you. Because you loved God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. And then you loved your neighbors as yourself. Let's pray together. God, I thank you. I thank you for the creek that is a gathering of believers here that love you, love others, and they're growing as disciples. So God, thank you for this instruction today from your word. God, may we not just know it, may we live it and obey it. That our neighbors will not see us as those that judge or push them away, but we actually step into their world and say, hi, I'm your neighbor. 
How can I help you? God, use us to be those difference makers right where we live for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.